As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just the trio of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like Scrammy's top with cheese. It's Philadelphia. Bo Sheel and Zach kicking it cooler than three penguins till Zach runs off with his valet keys. He's a real nuanced goose. Pull up a branch, get loose. It's time for some juice on some Birds with Friends. The early bird gets the worm, but prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo Sheel and Zach coming at you with steps and Things flapping their wings on. Birds with friends. Birds All I know is that said he has a game where Shield don't read both 7,000 <laughs> And I said, I'm in. Let's go. Let's do and, it. And so the yeah, purpose that's of. That's really what I needed was not to get at least one more reader. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends on a Thursday morning. I'm not Bo Wolf. I'm Zach Berman, filling in for Bo in the host chair this week. Fortunate to be bolstered, carried. By Shio Kapadia with Marissa Morris in charge. As always, the question that at least Bo wants to know, Shio, how are you? Well, I'm very nervous for you, Zach, because you know I know Bo will listen to this, and I know if I know Bo, he will be rooting for this to be a terrible episode. You know, he wants to make sure that his value is felt. He wants to, you know, he he chose this time to take. I think this is the only episode he's probably missed all year. A very slow time in the NFL calendar. Uh, he's hoping we fall flat on our faces so that when he returns, he can say, "Listen, they they really need me on that show. There's no show." without me and you're taking the host chair so uh i guess i should say i'm excited for this pod but i'll be honest i'm a little uh nervous for this pod as well well i i don't know if it's going to be as entertaining as when bo is on but i can promise you and our listeners it might be more organized than when i thought uh, yeah less annoying (laughs) yeah i thought i mean you could go in a number of different ways with that (laughs) like we will have you know i i won't tee you up for something you're not prepared for um, we, I, uh, I put some show prep in last night. I was going through notes. Uh, so I, I think we'll hit on the pertinent information as a point of reference for our listeners. As she'll mention, this, this is a quiet period for the Eagles. We discussed on the show a few weeks ago that they modified their offseason program. They had three voluntary in-person weeks canceled their mandatory minicamp, which was supposed to be this week. So if you're wondering why you're watching Sports Center, Everything okay over there? Yes, like yes. A little dish? Okay. All right. I um, like that little natural sound. <laughs> if, if, if if you are scanning the internet, scanning Twitter, and, and you see teams practicing elsewhere and, and, and wondering why you don't have those clips from the Eagles, they're not having that traditional off-season program. In fact, they are off until they report for camp on July 27th. So we'll have uh, some fun shows planned this summer, uh, and and we'll have you updated if and when there is news. But this is probably the last show we'll have for a few weeks with substantive Eagles updates. And what I mean by that is since we spoke last, which was uh, Wednesday uh, last week, I believe, the Eagles finished their practices. I I was out there on, on Friday for their session that was open to reporters. Nick Sirianni wrapped up the offseason program. He had a press conference after that. We met with position coaches 
virtually this week. So we'll get to that on today's show. Uh, and we'll also get to that on The Athletic. We also have the privilege of having a national reporter on the show. So we'll get into some Julio Jones talk. Peter uh, King will be joining us. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, okay. We I'm can only speaking. wish that. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe some NFC East discussion. Uh, and then we will also get to, I think, what our listeners want to know, and that is how the Summer of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going so far with movies, with uh, doctor's appointments, whatever it might be. And then, Yeah, that's really what it is. I mean, <laughs> you, you really nailed it uh, so far. Now, uh, not to cut you off there, but uh, uh, for those, you know, thank you. Many have, have joined the Instagram uh, parade here. So thank you for those. At S.H.I.E.L.D. Capadia, we got to get to 10,000 so that I can put links in these Instagram stories, and for those of you who did follow, you saw my uh, my photo there with the you know was that a little family function? Uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I was at a little family function, and a a cousin uh, had remarried, and so her. Uh, I guess it would be her stepson. Uh, you know, met him for the first time. And I said, and I, you know, made a little small talk, but then he was leaving. And I said, uh, you know, listen, I got to get a photo with you. You look like a young Indian Patrick Mahomes. And so took a little, a uh, little selfie there. So if you want to check that out, uh, at Sheil Kapati on Instagram, got, got to get the plug in, of course. Well, was and he complimented Sheil, by that? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Go on no, I just yeah. had to chime in and say, like we talked about, people do like to see the personal side of things because that post had double the likes as your past few posts. It's so, uh, I, I, yes. Maybe you gotta can, post some more selfies and stuff like that on there. I wonder, can I just hire you for like to be <laughs> like my per? I don't even know what the word like, like helper, advisor, consigliere, or something. I'll find out. Sure, you know, I'll stalk if, your social media and see what's trending. Yeah, like well. I mean, you you go out of your way to look at my Instagram stats. Like that's fantastic. I need that. Uh, you, uh, we already know you can do the audio. You can do the video. I feel like yeah. yeah. Let, 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 let's see. You know, On the athletic. Way to get you the swipe up ten thousand. For sure. That's right. So athletic suits, you know, if you're listening to this and you're not uh, <laughs> treating Marissa well, uh, listen, there could be competition. She she might have other options for her services. Social media consultant <laughs> in addition to like uh, keeping our show afloat. Everything. Yeah. yeah. I think she could give me like nutritional advice. I mean, there's really a, like a lot that could come in uh, handy. Her mom could probably give me some advice on like my stretching routines you know, <laughs> to make sure I'm not getting any uh, uh, injuries uh, working out. So I think a lot of value there. Just just making sure the athletic higher ups uh, know what they have in Marissa. I just want to get you the swipe up and the $10,000. So everyone follow Sheila on Instagram. What's the number now? Uh, 1,188. Long way to go. go. Yeah, Yeah. long way to go. That's okay. I I think, uh, you know, and and especially once you get out there for a training camp practice or two, you, you post a video that goes viral, you can do that. Some yep. of these numbers are crazy. Like, you know, it tells you recommended who to follow. And I think mine was, uh, it, it should Rachel Nichols. She has like 800,000 followers. I mean, I need to, you know, I can get a fraction of that, right? I know Rachel Nichols is much more accomplished and well-known than I am. And I'm talking about 10,000, not 800,000. So anyway. The the Instagram, agor- uh, it's, I, I, was, I, I made it like Nelson Aguilar, the the algorithms um oh, unbelievable <laughs> uh yeah uh, um you know like i uh, so i i don't like to give uh you know personal information here but uh i was looking one day at um uh, you know I, w- I was reading this new york times article about my cookie dealer it's 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 like a flex a, fl- a, a place in, in in new york that delivers cookies so i was looking at their instagram page and ever since then um all i get popped up are like cookies from around the country um, that, uh, you know, and, and it was literally just from looking at them, you know, one or two times. I just told somebody recently that no one knows me better than the Instagram algorithm. <laughs> I mean, this is, it's like unbelievable. I'm scrolling through there. It's everything I want. It's the sneakers I want. It's the joggers I want. It's It's just everything. Like I can't go through. And so, you know, uh, the iPhones have the new thing where it's like, allow this app to track you or not, you know, has that been popping yep. up for you? And, and so, uh, for like all of them, I'm saying like, no, don't track me. And then I opened up Instagram and it asked me and I said, you know what? Go ahead and track me. You're providing <laughs> value to my life. You know what I want better than I know. Uh, I'm sticking with you. So, uh, yeah, good. Uh, unbelievable job out of that. So Bo's going to be proud because we are, 
you know, 10 minutes in, we're already off script. Um, uh, so, yeah, so uh, definitely follow Shield on Instagram. And getting back to the Eagles discussions here. Uh, so I uh, there's, there's not much as far as news this week. We don't need to give a news update. They have signed almost all of their draft picks. Landon Dickerson is the only one left unsigned. Uh, the Eagles made a few minor transactions yesterday. The interesting one was they waived undrafted quarterback Jamie Newman, who had some buzz, certainly had some bow buzz, because he was uh, a, a Wake Forest quarterback at one point. And the interesting thing about that transaction is not necessarily that they waived Jamie Newman, at an undrafted quarterback, but that he was the only other quarterback on the roster besides Jalen Hurts and Joe Flacco. So you know they're going to have at least one other arm in camp, maybe two, uh, and he would have seemed to be the, the type of player that you would want there, a, a, a rookie developmental quarterback. I'm assuming that they either did not see enough during the offseason program or they have something else up their sleeve, but definitely monitor the quarterback depth situation. Yeah, I saw, I think Gil Brandt had a tweet, right, earlier in the day. Yeah, was, he, like he was hearing that they really liked Jamie Newman, and then uh, hours later they released him. So, uh who knows? I, I don't know. I, I mean, do you, you know, I've seen some uh, speculation about, does this mean like a potential Gardner Minshew trade or something like that? Like, do you expect it to be someone uh, noteworthy who they add to the roster or just another, uh, another kind of camp arm who, who's probably not going to be on the 53? I would guess more of a developmental quarterback, right? Okay. Because, you know, you, you have Flacco as that experienced backup. Uh, so, I think when you're looking at the quarterback depth chart, unless it's that blockbuster trade for the starting quarterback, and you know, unless it's a Deshaun Watson trade, I think any addition would be someone they can develop who can potentially be a future backup for them. Okay, we'll see. Now we will get to practice last week in, in Sirianni um, his his press conference, but the assistant coaches talking this week, the position coaches, that was the first time we've heard from them. Um, I, I was in on all of them, but I'm, I'm most curious for your perspective from Jeff Stoutland because he's, he's first off, he's the, he's the big name. He's the heavy hitter, if you will, of the position coaches. I, I think there's, um, you know, a lot of the other sessions besides Stoutland and Aaron Moorhead were more of the get to know you type, but we don't need to get to know Jeff Stoutland. He's, he's been here since 2013 and he has some major, um, you know, you know, news on his line. And the other thing too is, is you've written the definitive Jeff Stoutland piece on this beat. So you probably have as much perspective on what he's thinking and able to translate what he says more than others. Um, so I, I, I know you skimmed through that press conference, the left tackle competition and some other notes from Stoutland. What did you make of it? Yeah, you know, well, I guess there were two things that stood out. One was uh, the way he was talking about uh, Andre Dillard, and I'm curious what you think. You know, this is the time of year where you have to parse through these comments, right? Everybody is having a great offseason. There's competition everywhere. Expectations are sky high for every player, every position group, every team. But I thought he was pretty convincing with Andre Dillard, you know, in his comments. Uh, I thought it was a pretty strong endorsement talking about how uh, Dillard has changed, how he looks like uh, hungrier, I think he said, more serious, uh, talking about some of the things Dillard did last year when he was injured. And so that, to me, it didn't sound just like sort of coach speak of this is what we say this time of year. Now, having said that, Stoutland is a very positive like, uh, I don't remember him saying much, many negative things about his players, like even reading between the lines. There haven't been many times where I thought, okay, he said this, but I, you know, I, I think that guy's in the doghouse. And I have been curious about whether Dillard has been in his doghouse specifically because he's going to, you know, I, I think he's got pretty much autonomy over uh, offensive line and who plays who doesn't play, what he thinks of the players on the roster. And I thought, uh, you know, he seemed like somebody who had, uh, I don't know if high expectations are the right word, but who, who thinks that Andre Dillard is still salvageable and can still be a starter for the Eagles here. Did, did you get that impression or did you think that that's just what an assistant coach says uh, when he talks to the media in June? 
Yeah, that's 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 good observation there because I definitely got the impression that this is a legitimate competition, right? And it, and we've discussed how the promise Jordan Mailata showed last year, and and how he might have more upside when you look at the size, the inexperience, the age, and then also you know if if they were to give him a contract ex- extension, that would tip the Eagles' hand. But the the, the way Stoutland talked. Uh, it does sound like this was a real competition, number one, and that it's going to be determined during training camp. And it's going. It it sounds like what Dillard did behind the scenes last year, particularly resonated with Stoutland, um, being in all those meetings, being a, a, a tentative, a, a, uh, participating in the meetings, which seems like a, a low bar to clear. <laughs> but I, I I will give some perspective in that. With injured players, sometimes when they're out for the year, you can have guys kind of do their own thing, follow their own rehab schedule, not necessarily engage in the day-to-day or the week-to-week happenings that you see with like the 53-man roster or the 55-man roster. Um, And it sounded like Dillard was involved last year. And and, and just from, I don't want to make too much of Dillard's press conference last week, but, but you can see like the sense of seriousness that he's trying to convey, uh, and I, I think he's he certainly knows he's he's going to have to earn the job. And what uh, Jeff Stoutland said it's it's going to take, and and this is interesting too, is is that that guy has to be like as as seamless and as up to date on up to speed on everything as the other four. And what I I, I say about that is because there's been some I guess outside speculation if Landon Dickerson was was healthy, could he push? Isaac Sayamalu, and it certainly sounds like Jeff Stoutland is saying he has these four guys entrenched, and he needs to figure out who that left tackle is going to be. Yeah, the thing with it with Dillard's press conference is like normally I would say you know who cares, not a big deal, but like he said different things in the past, right? Like you know like like you've left media sessions with Andre Dillard thinking, all right, this is not gonna, this might not go well uh, for him based on what he said. So we'll see again, it's all May and June uh, press conferences. We're, you know, we're not out there watching full practices, but I think if you were hopeful that Andre Dillard was going to be a salvageable player for them and could have, could like be somebody who has a solid uh, 2021 season and be a starting left tackle, then I think the signs you've seen in the spring at least are what you would have hoped to see. He's been out there. He's saying the right thing. The coaching staff is saying the right thing. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think he, I think he is still salvageable. I mean, I think we forget what a good prospect he was. I mean, he was considered the best pass protecting left tackle in that draft. He was a talented player. When he's played left tackle uh, in the NFL, he has not been a disaster. You know, mm-hmm. there, there were certainly flashes there that you can see it. Uh, the way he moves, it, it's always seemed to be sort of the. Uh, the want to, the mental part of it, the desire, to, you know, he, the story uh, I had written, you know, does does he love football? How important it, is it to him? All those things. And so if you're getting a motivated player who's like, listen, I this is a big year for me. Uh, I really need to salvage my career, even if it's like financially motivated. That's OK. Mm-hmm. You know, I think sometimes we go overboard and it's like it doesn't really matter what the motivation is as long as the motivation leads to uh, putting in the work and trying to kind of uh be out there and uh, I don't want to say best version of yourself. That's that's coach speak, but you know what I'm saying? Maximize your potential, then that's okay. So um, it, it's a good sign and really looking, you know, when I was, I was watching the Stoutland press conference and really thinking, and, and we've discussed this before that this offensive line could be really good in 2021. I mean, I was looking at uh, football outsiders. They do the adjusted games lost, which is basically their metric to look at how injured every team was last year. Um, and they break it down by offense and defense, and then they do it by positional group. Uh, by far the most injured offensive line in the NFL was the Eagles last year. And so if you look at that, they still have older players, you know, so I don't think they're going to get through this thing. And, you know, it's going to be Kelsey Brooks, uh, Lane Johnson, Sayamalu, and Dillard or Mailata. Like, I don't think it's going to be five or six guys starting the entire season. I think the older players, the likelihood is that they are going to suffer some injuries, but the likelihood that they're as injured as they were last year is uh, is unlikely. And in the event that they are, they have backups who got some experience. And really looking at it, you know, ESPN has this one stat, a pass block win rate. 
And basically what it does is they use kind of the GPS trackers to look at uh, within two and a half seconds of the snap, how often is the quarterback pressured? And the Eagles actually ranked 11th there last year. So I'm not saying that's a perfect stat. It's clearly not. You know, I don't think they would be the 11th best. I don't think they were the 11th best pass protecting offensive line last year, but I also don't think that they were like one of the worst offensive lines uh, either. You know, I think a lot of that was scheme and quarterback play and poor wide receiver play and a bunch of different factors. And so I do think there is a chance for this offensive line to kind of bounce back in a big way. And, you know, on the off chance that your 30 plus uh, players stay healthy for the majority of the season. Like there's definite upside there. I mean, those guys can, uh, can still play. I thought Jason Kelsey was fantastic last year. And so you really do have a chance to have like a top seven or eight offensive line. If some things fall your way. And a little shameless plug next week on the athletic, you're going to have a lot of Eagles offensive line content. Um, There's, there's going to be stories on every Mm. part of the Eagles offensive line. So make sure you check back there and, uh, one quick thing that I will tease here, and, and Jeff Stoutland spoke about this, uh, the Eagles offensive linemen, the, the 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 vets, the returning ones, spoke quite a bit about how important it was for them that that, that Stoutland's back. Shield has, has written about the relationship that they have with Stoutland. Um, now, there there was a period during the offseason when there was a lot of speculation that Stoutland might be joining Alabama's coaching staff. Uh, Stoutland said that he he wanted to stay in Philly. You know, he he. This is the highest level of coaching. There are 32 offensive line coaching jobs in 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 the NFL. Uh, he wants to coach in the NFL. He has affection for the Eagles organization. His wife wants to stay in Philly. She wrote how how they've made the Philly suburbs their home. Um, he he did say if he was going to go back to college, the job he would want or the job he would take, the only job he would take would be the Alabama one. Uh, so, you know, there, there was certainly smoke there, <laughs> yeah. but, but he, he wanted to stay and, and that's why he's back. Yeah. That was the other thing that stood out, uh, to me as well. You know, I, I think there definitely was a flirtation there. I think there probably was a point where he thought he was going to Alabama, but the thing is, anytime there's a head coaching change, the assistants have no idea what's mm-hmm. going to happen with them. You know, you don't know there could have been a head coach that came in whose best friend was an offensive line coach who he had worked with for 20 years. And he was just like, if I ever get a head coaching job, this guy's going to be my offensive line coach. Well, if that happens, then Jeff Stoutland doesn't have a job. I mean, there could have been uh, potential candidates who Jeff Stoutland would have said, you know, I'm not really that interested in working with this guy, but you know, all right, Nick Sirianni is sort of a a young up and comer and probably going to let me do my own thing and have autonomy. Yeah. That, that sounds uh, pretty good to me as well. So they're always, you know, even talking to some of the guys, I remember when they moved from uh, the Chip Kelly era to the Doug Peterson era and talking to some of them, I think it was during the Super Bowl era, you know, even Stoutland then and uh, Press Taylor and, uh, you know, do still like, like those, there, there's always going to be a sense of, all right, I have, you know, you're just kind of sitting there for a few weeks, not knowing uh, what your next job's going to be. And so you have to have something lined up. So yeah, I thought his thing when he said, if I were going to take a college job, Alabama would be the job I wanted. That was pretty, uh, pretty telling. But I think lifestyle wise, the NFL is such a better job than uh, the college ones just because, you know, the offseason is like a true offseason. Yep. You know, I, I remember when I did the story on Dave Fipp, he's like, you know, people make it out to sound like NFL assistant coaches. Our offseason, we're just like in the office grinding for 12 hours a day. He's like, you have a lot of free time uh, in the offseason, especially with a team like the Eagles were kind of the, you know, personnel and scouting is um, uh, a bit separate than the the coaching staff. I know they still ask the coaches to watch players and that type of thing, but it's not like they're in there uh, grinding nonstop. So I remember Jeff Stoutland's son just saying, you know, he, he loves to golf in the uh, off season and he kind of found different hobbies to keep himself occupied. Like if you're recruiting for Alabama, you know, that that's not your off season's going to look a lot different. Exactly. And, and to your point about the coaching limbo, Aaron Moorhead gave the anecdote, you know, he said he was, he was nervous. It was, it was stressful, right? So he, he accepts the Eagles wide receivers coaching job uh, before the 2020 season. He's joining a team that had been to the playoffs three years in a row. You're, you're probably thinking there's a degree of stability, you know, performance matters. You know, they've rotated wide receivers coaches seemingly every year, but uh, as far as like a coaching staff, he probably thought he was joining a staff with stability. 
Uh, he he closes on a house last July, and then you know the season goes to shambles. The coaching staff's fired. He doesn't know if he's going to be retained or or not. His children had not even met their classmates yet because school was 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 uh, virtual. So he didn't know if the house had to go back on the market. If he had to move, he stayed in Philadelphia. Obviously, he he had a background with Sirianni from a coaching internship with the Colts. He knew Kevin Patolo, who's kind of Sirianni's right-hand man. Um, so they kept him, and that's my way of transitioning here in the Moorhead because I, I think that was the other interesting one in terms of substantive football updates uh, because he is back, and that's a fascinating position. What did you make of what Moorhead said, in particular about Fulgham and Rager? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I was watching some some clips of this, and I saw him say Rager is a bit calmer this year. You know, I, I don't know what to make of it because he, you know, he was Rager's coach last year, so it's like, uh, you know, I, I know what he was saying about making the leap from year one to year two, but certainly there were some issues. You know, it seems like every year they've just had issues coaching the wide receivers. And I was as somebody who thought Rager was a really good prospect and uh, defended the Eagles taking him where they did. I was disappointed in how he played as a rookie. I did not think he had the the juice, the intensity, the urgency, the the effort uh, that I expected from him on a every snap basis. Now, like zooming out a little bit, I do think like one thing we have to keep in mind is that the team was just such an epic disaster yep. last year. And so like any statistical measure you're looking at or performance, it's just, I almost feel like not to give every, give people a pass cause you should not uh, do that. But you, you know, I am more willing to say, all right, let's see what it looks like for another year. Just because you look at the situation Rager was coming into uh, the team stunk. There were issues between coaching front office ownership. It was not a well-coached team last year. The quarterback was a mess. You started 11 different uh, offensive linemen. And so it was not a great situation to be in. Now, having said that, I, I think certainly he could have played better, but I do. Uh, I, it's one of the things I guess I'm most excited to see this year is from Rager, from Travis Fulgham, uh, for, you know, and obviously Devontae Smith. Like, can this wide receiver group uh, look a lot different than it did uh, last season? What, what did you think? Of, what did he say about Fulgham, and, and what did you kind of make of those comments? Yeah, so in in Fulgham's case, because it, it still is, it's it's one of the mysteries. Like, what happened to Travis Fulgham? Yeah. And, and he thought that that four or five week period in October was was real. He said he saw it. Everyone saw it. Um, he said, when that happens, uh, you you have to figure out you know what to do when defenses know who you are. He said there was an injury there that you know did affect Fulgham a bit, but it it struck me more like reading between the lines. Fulgham didn't do enough to compensate for the way defenses were adjusting to him um, and for kind of the attention that might come with it and the responsibilities that come with not just teams scheming towards stopping you, but like the the importance that he had in the offense. Um, and uh, so I, I asked about Fulgham, then Jimmy Kemsky followed up um, asking about Alshon Jeffrey, you know, the, the fact that when Alshon came into the lineup, that's when Fulgham's playing time decreased and Moorhead said it it wasn't you know that one didn't have to do with the other that he's he's going to play the best players it's it still is a fascinating thing but what jumped out to me most about what Moorhead was saying about uh, Fulgham was was that he he believes what they saw was real and that he thinks if Fulgham can be that kid that you know if if Fulgham can be the player that he was during that period then their wide receiver core can be really, really good. Was the words Moorhead said with Devontae and 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 with Jalen Rager, uh, Greg Ward's kind of your your slot part time player. But I I think if the Eagles have their way, um, they want Rager Smith, well, well Smith Rager and Fulgham to be their top three. Yeah, and that I mean those I think are clearly. Their three best, uh, three best players, and as we've mentioned before, this should be the one position group that is really coached well, given Nick Sirianni's background, and that you would think if there's a spot where he's going to be hands on, this would be the spot. So uh, we will see. You know, when Fulgham had that stretch last year, 
we went, I remember we went through the numbers and like, it was unlikely that it was going to, that, that a receiver could have that stretch and then be a complete fluke. So there's obvious talent there. He made plays. And if those aren't the three that are sort of getting the most snaps in week one, you know, barring an injury, then that, that would be pretty disappointing. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So I have a question for you. Yes. I just, I just did a, you know, sometimes when we're talking about stuff, I look something up uh, really mm-hmm. quick here. So uh, on average, how many offensive linemen do you think uh, a team has to start? This is based on last year. So uh, how many offensive linemen have to start for a team throughout the course of a 16-game season last year on average? I, I would make 8.5 the over-under. Wow. Have you done this math for your I have stories? Not. I have, I have not. Z-Burr. Is that right? Wow. Bo's not here. And all of a sudden you're crushing the, you know, you didn't overthink it. See, <laughs> if it was a thing with Bo, then he would have gone first. Then you would have thought, all right, game theory, do I go higher or lower? Instead, you nailed it on the dot. 8.5. Okay. That's 8. interesting. 8.5. Exactly. Yeah. I just uh, looked up how many offensive linemen started games last year divided by 32. And so for the Eagles, that was 11. So, you know, even if you're hitting the average uh, injury bug with the offensive line, you're going to be in uh, in much better shape than you were last year. So elsewhere uh, with the position coaches, as I said, there was a lot to get to know you. I, I think you see why, some of these guys, uh, or why Sirianni was attracted to some of these guys, uh, it's a it's a young staff. There's a it's a there's a lot of energy. Um, every staff kind of has 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 their own theme, and 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 sometimes the themes are kind of created by us because we make too much out of it. But you know, Chip's staff, a lot of them had connections to Chip, right? You know, you didn't have a lot of NFL experience at, at times, but they're guys that Chip worked with, that Chip was comfortable with. Um, with Doug Peterson's staff, there was a real emphasis on people who, who played, you know, who, who, who were in the locker room, who understood the NFL, who, who had connections with players. I mean, on both sides of the ball, there were a lot of former players and, you know, that, that, that kind of fit Doug. Uh, this is a Sirianni staff is, is especially young, um, that, that stood out when they hired him. It stood out talking to them. Um, you know that you 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 have guys like Tracy Rocker who are on the ex- more experienced side, but I mean Nick Rallis is 27 years old. Uh, Brian Johnson's in his in his uh, uh, low 30s. Um, there's there's a lot of young guys on this staff, and and uh, it was enjoyable to get to talk to them, get to know them a bit. Um, we'll obviously do that more over time. Some quick notes. I I I asked Jamal Singleton, the running backs coach. Uh, if if he likes having a backfield rotation, if he prefers having the lead back in his history, to give some context here, uh, he coached Joe Mixon two years ago when Joe Mixon had I think you know 270 carries or so. Um, he was the position coach for Frank Gore in Indianapolis when Gore was over 260 carries both years, and the Eagles haven't had a 200 carry running back since. LaShawn McCoy was traded in 2014, well, after the 2014 mm-hmm. season. Um, so I, I know injury has a lot to do with it and players miss games, but I'm fascinated to see if, 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 they, if they use Miles Sanders that way um, or if they prefer to have a rotation. And he said it, it depends on, on your backfield, but, but he thinks when you're putting that room together, you need a guy who can run the ball in the first two downs. You need a guy who can 
uh, catch the ball out of the backfield and block on third downs. And you need a guy who can kind of move around the formation. Um, so he, he likes having different roles in his backfield. And he thinks that the days of the feature back are kind of waning because of the speed of the game and the contact. Uh, but certainly Miles Sanders, talent-wise, you would think could profile as that type of player. So uh, that's that's one thing I am interested in in seeing. Tracy Rocker said, uh, real, qu- real quick, how how yep. many backs do you think had you know to what he said? How many backs do you think had at least 200 carries last year league wide? Well, that I looked up. Uh, oh, so okay. I, I I know that there were 10 <laughs> last year. There were and, 10, so it is rare. Yeah. Yeah. Now I mean, some of them were on like. Like Nick Chubb right. would have been in that category if he wasn't injured. You know, injuries had, had something to do with it. But in Miles Sanders' case, for instance, you look at his first two games, he was 20 carries, he was 18 carries. And then after that, it really went down. And I know they were playing from behind quite a bit, and Peterson likes to pass the ball. But there were times when, and we discussed it last year, they just went with other running backs, right? They went with Boston Scott, or 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 they did different things there. Uh, so it, it, it certainly is something to watch because of the investment that they made in Miles Sanders. Um, My, Miles, Miles Sanders averaged 5.3 yards per carry last year. Yep. Yep. And he was a big that, play back. That would surprise. I mean, that, that surprises me just looking at, it. I know that. Yeah. I know that's not the best stat because you, you know, you, you have a couple, uh, really long runs and it makes up for others, but, um, you know, 21st in number of carries, which I, I don't know. I would think you what do you think? I think he would be around the same neighborhood this year, maybe a little bit higher. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, probably in the, in that neighborhood to higher. I, I would agree with that. Okay, and yeah. So I don't know. He, he is a very difficult player to evaluate. I, I feel like film grinders look at Miles Sanders and they don't love what they see. They don't think he's going where the play is called all the time. They don't think he hits the hole right away, his vision. Uh, but some of the stats you look at and like you look at it and say, wow, 5.3 yards per carry, even uh, something like success rate, which I like to uh, look at. Basically, it's uh, EPA based stat where it doesn't credit you, you know, for those uh, big runs. It just says, all right, how often is he creating a positive play? And he ranked pretty highly. I think he was like a top 10 back in that also. So he, he's certainly one of those players where sort of the uh, film and the numbers don't necessarily align. And uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what he does this year. So with the other assistants, there's there's nothing we really need to hit on there. There there might be nuggets that will I'll, I'll throw in throughout the summer. Um, I, I I did want to touch briefly on Sirianni's last practice, and this 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 ties into actually to the assistant coaches a bit as as Bo uh, tweeted as, as Bo observed at, at practice in the limited time we were able to watch. Michael Jaquette was on the outside. Avante Maddox was on the inside. Uh, Denard Wilson, the cornerbacks coach, did not tip his hand on who's going to start on the outside. Said size is is not going to be the determining factor there. Um, his emphasis was that like what you do, you need to do that really well. So if if you are a size guy, you need to be able to use your size every play. If if you are someone who's really good at change of directions, um, then 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 that needs to be what your hallmark is every play. So he's really looking for consistency fundamentals there. Uh, but outside of, of left tackle, that cornerback competition is interesting to watch. And, and there could still be another move to make. Well, I, I know Steven Nelson is someone that, that we've kind of discussed and, and, and kept our eyes on. But of the players on the roster, if it's not Maddox, then Jaquette and Zach McPherson would be the two that would really jump to mind as the top options opposite Darius Lett. Yeah, I think it's, it seems pretty obvious with the moves that they've made that like they're not they're not a uh, height, length, size uh, team at cornerback. I mean, they're, they're willing to uh, draft and uh, develop the guys who might not have that prototypical size. Uh, I would not be in favor of them, you know, signing a, a Steven Nelson or another cornerback. Like this year is about 
finding out what your young players can do. And, you know, I've said uh, in the past, I, I really would like to see Avante Maddox get a shot at safety. But, like, if you think he can play cornerback in this scheme, then, like, give him a shot and see if he can play quarterback in this scheme. You want to gather that information. Uh, I know you don't want to – I'm not saying you just put out terrible players out there, but, like, he's a competent player. Um, and so see what you have with him. I, I don't see the sense in spending money – on a, a free agent cornerback and plugging them in there and then not letting the young guys uh, get those snaps. And, and then elsewhere at, at practice, I'm, I'm very careful not to read too much into a spring practice as it is, but certainly not one when we're only out there for 30 minutes and they're not even doing like team drills. It's, it's just individual and, and, and fundamental work. Uh, you hear quite a bit about competition from, from Nick Sirianni. And as I wrote on the, uh, on the athletic this week, like the the next coach who who says he's trying to create a less competitive environment is 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 gonna be like the first coach to do that. So the fact that he's emphasizing competition is is not noteworthy within itself, but how much it's a part of what he's doing, I think jumps out. And you know the fact that he was late for his press conference the other day because he was having a three point contest with Greg Ward um, that. Like that was not accidental that he mentioned that. You know, I I think it's it, it's very mm. deliberate in terms of the culture that he's trying to create. At the practice we were attending, they had um, periods where they manufactured competition. It was like a almost a football version of tetherball, where Devontae Smith and Travis Fulgham were having a catching competition, where it was it was a football attached to a string, and you know they would like throw the ball and they had to catch it. Um, so, uh, there were, there were different things incorporated in, in, in practice to really emphasize this. So as, as we go into training camp, uh, that's definitely something to monitor, uh, a few quick notes from Sirianni's, uh, press conference. He said that they're still figuring out whether there's going to be live contact periods during training camp practices where he's been in the past. They haven't done that. That, that. that hasn't been something that has been an emphasis. Um, so I would say don't expect these practices to to be, um, you know, like the the famous Andy Reid two-a-days. And, and, and the NFL is getting away from that as it is. But Doug Peterson early in his tenure had more live periods during practice, and then that started to wane. And my guess is Sirianni's will be more consistent with what we've seen the past or, or most of the past eight years. Uh, he sounded open to the idea of joint practices. He's he's like that in the past. The Eagles haven't announced anything yet, but I would certainly watch out for that being a possibility. Their preseason opponents are uh, Pittsburgh, New England, and the Jets, I believe, are the three. So uh, if they have those, watch out for that. And then, as I said, the Eagles are off um, for the next six weeks. They report the camp on July 27th, and uh, then the first preseason game is August 12th, and the regular season is September 12th. And so that's a natural transition to what I wanted to get your insight on here. The Eagles play the Atlanta Falcons week one. I know that there was intrigue about whether the Eagles could acquire Julio Jones. Last podcast, you kind of, you you, you bluntly said it would make no sense for the Eagles. Um, (laughs) Julio Jones ends up in Tennessee for a second round pick. Your grade on the move is on the athletic, but what did you make of that trade? And when you see what the price is and you see the Eagles draft capital, do you think that's something they should have engaged in? No, I don't think the Eagles should have engaged in that. We had the wide receiver conversation earlier. I think you want to get those young guys snaps. You're not winning anything uh, this year. I don't know that Julio Jones, you know, I know he didn't have a no trade clause, but obviously has not been shy about saying where he wants to play. And I don't know that this would have been a a spot that he wanted to play. Uh, Anyway, uh, I thought the price was good for Tennessee. I don't think the Titans have done a great job by any means over the past couple seasons. Last year, their offseason was a complete disaster. They signed Jadeveon Clowney. He plays eight games for them without a sack. They draft... um, Isaiah Wilson, the offensive lineman in the first round, he doesn't play for them and is now uh, out of the league. And so they kind of made, you know, these mistakes that uh, that really kind of hurt them last year. Now, having said that, uh, they've had a great offense the last two years, really since Ryan Tannehill took over. I don't think people realize just how good their offense has been. They're 18 and eight with Tannehill. 
During that 26-game stretch, they rank first in the NFL in EPA per play, which is you know just sort of a, uh, a stat that measures uh, how good you are with taking out uh, some of the noise. They've got a good offensive line. A.J. Brown, who I was totally wrong on as a prospect, is legitimately one of the best wide receivers in the league. Uh, and now you add... Julio Jones there. So uh, I think it was a great move for them. You know, I don't think it comes without risk. Julio Jones is 32 years old. Uh, He played in nine games last year. I don't think he practices much. So there are injury sort of durability issues, I guess, with him. But aside from last year, he doesn't miss a lot of games. And when he was on the field, he was highly productive last year, ranked fourth in yards per route run. And so Uh, that Tennessee offense, you know, they're going to face a lot of single high safety because they've got Derrick Henry. And so they're going to face a lot of single high. And now you've got Brown and Julio Jones on the outside with a solid offensive line. Like that's a lot to work with offensively. And listeners know that I've stated over and over again, that the easiest way to sustain success in the NFL is you build that elite offense, that top five offense, and then a mediocre defense is plenty to get you into contention. And so, uh, Ryan Tannehill's numbers, Zach, over the last two years are incredible. I, I mean, 67% completions, 8.6 yards per attempt, 55 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. I'm, you know, so sometimes I think like I was never a bit, you know, I was never a big Tannehill guy, but at some point you do have to give him, uh, give him credit for what he's done here over the last two years. So, you know, I don't know if the Titans are really going to be Super Bowl contenders. Uh, I think they're a very boomer bust team. I, th- I think, you know, if Julio Jones gets injured or faces a steep decline, then of course you're going to face a step back. They, they have a big change at offensive coordinator with Arthur Smith going to Atlanta and Todd Downing now is taking over. So certainly that could uh, affect them negatively. But if I'm the team and I say, you know what, we've been a top five offense over the past two seasons, we have a chance to get even better on offense let's go ahead and do that and take a swing you're committed to Tannehill you're committed to Henry you re-signed both players last offseason like you go ahead and take a shot if it doesn't work out it's not like you're giving out up three first round picks I mean you can get out of that Julio Jones contract after this season and you're giving up a second round pick and then a pick swap. So uh, I thought it made a lot of sense for them, and I thought it was a smart move. The Falcons, the Eagles' opponent, like you mentioned, in week one, I don't think their offseason has made sense. You know, they doubled down on Matt Ryan to create cap space. He's pretty much tied to the team. Uh, Obviously, you're never 100% tied to the team, but the the salary would indicate that he would be be tied to them this year and next year. Uh, I thought they could have taken a shot on being a really interesting team this year with Julio Jones and Kyle Pitts and Bo's boy Calvin Ridley and Arthur Smith coming in that maybe you could have a really interesting offense and bounce back and have a quick turnaround. Now you get rid of Julio Jones, but you're not going to be bad enough where you're going to be picking in the top five again uh, to draft a quarterback. And Matt Ryan is 36 years old, so they're kind of stuck in this no man's land where you don't want to be as a franchise. So I understand why they did it. Julio Jones wanted out. You wanted some cap relief at the same time. I think you should have kind of come to these decisions in January and February and then charted a different course for the entire franchise this offseason. So I'm, I'm Nick Sirianni, and I'm sitting in my office here on June 10th. Uh, John, I'm, I'm about to call Jonathan Gannon in because, you know, I, uh, my off-season program's over. I'm, I'm getting a head start on my week one prep. And um, I'm looking at this Falcons film, but you know what? This is a different offensive coordinator, different head coach than uh, what they're going to have this season. And Number 11 is such a big part of their offense, and he's not there. And so I I scroll down my Rolodex. I see Shio Kapadia. I respect his work. Um, he he knows both these teams. Uh, he he knows Arthur Smith. Um, Shio, I want to know, like, like, what should I expect different from this Falcons offense week one? Because what I'm watching here is so much Julio Jones, and it's not Arthur Smith's offense. Yeah, I think if you look at what I, and I just wrote the kind of Titans chapter, so this is fresh in my uh, in my mind for my season preview guide. Uh, the Titans were the most run heavy team in the NFL last season. No team threw the ball less often on early downs in neutral situations than the Titans. And so, you know, obviously part of that is you play to uh, Derrick Henry and your strengths, but it's probably part of your DNA 
as well. So I, I think it's really run the ball, a lot of 12 personnel, and then they were the most play-action heavy team in the league last year. So I think the play action stuff will definitely carry over. I think now that you traded Julio Jones, you are looking at a 12 personnel uh, team there in Atlanta with again, Bo's boy, Hayden Hurst (laughs) and uh, your boy, uh, Kyle Pitts there uh, in Atlanta. And so I I think that's, that's what you're going to see 12 personnel and a lot of play action uh, with that team in week one. But I I mean, their skill position players that you really take a huge hit. I mean, you're looking at Calvin Ridley and now Kyle Pitts is really positioned to have like an all-time season yep. for a rookie tight end. I mean, he's going to have all kinds of opportunities if you're doing fantasy or whatever. Uh, historically, it's been tough for tight ends to come in and have an impact right away, but uh, he is positioned to kind of be the exception there. Exactly, and and that's something we'll look at over the summer is uh, is, is some over-unders, but if I don't know what, what Kyle Pitts' over-under is yet uh, for receiving yards. It's very high. I, I think we mentioned it on a pod a while okay. ago. But, yeah, it, it's kind of like it would have to have a historic season for a rookie tight end. But, obviously, that's in, the markets are saying uh, that that's in play for him. So, have, have you done your NFC East work yet, or is that still to come? I have not. That's still okay. to come. Yeah. So maybe okay. we should save that for a. We will save uh, that. A, yeah. For pod. one that's fresh in 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 your mind. Pay attention to that over the summer here. Um. And and really, not much has happened elsewhere in the NFC uh, East to date. So, uh, we will wrap this up with I I think what people most want to know, and that is how's the classics for Shield going so far. Yeah. So I've got a, a few uh, a few notes here. Uh, now, have you started Maravistown yet? I know you were uh, thinking about it during our yeah. Last we talk. are three episodes in. We were and your thoughts. I I like it so far. My okay. wife's enjoying it, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see where it goes. Yeah, we really uh, you know hammered that out in the matter in a matter of like a week. It was just all right. Every night we're watching. Uh, an episode here. I think there were eight total. I won't give any spoilers away, but uh, I thought it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. It reminded me why I like TV so much more than movies. You know, it's just like, all right, every night for a week, we're hanging out with these people. We're in their world. I think, I think the town was supposed to be Aston. Is that right? Like what it was modeled over. I know they taped in a number of places, Phoenixville, I believe somewhere, uh, maybe Swarthmore. You're the Delco town. guy. I'm, I'm yeah, I know. for this. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they, like I said, they were mentioning uh, riddle in the first, uh, in the first episode where my dad worked for a long time, where, uh, I was born, where my mom just had a, uh, a knee replacement surgery last off season. So the Capadias have spent a lot of hours in, uh, used to be riddle Memorial hospital now is uh riddle hospital, but, I, I think that's what someone said. So I was a little confused why they named like East Town in the title, a, you know, a, a kind of a fictional town. But then you do have the tr- different East Town uh, school district. So I don't know how they decided that. But anyway, uh, I really uh, did enjoy that. What's your favorite like sort of uh, accent word accent that they've done so far? Now, you have a bit of a, you know, like a Philadelphia accent. I think our listeners would agree to. Yes, and it's something I'm trying. Uh, I'm not necessarily trying to get rid of it per se, but there are there are words that I'm trying to pronunciate uh, better, more slowly. Um, it's it's. it's I, not I something... notice it when you say Philad- uh, Philadelphia. I think okay, you know. yeah, okay, uh, which is I, fine. I like it. I enjoy it. So when I was um, when I worked elsewhere, uh, I, I I worked in in. In Washington D.C. in Virginia, in, Flex. in New York, um, and I was covering a lot of I was covering college basketball, and when I would say basketball, that would like jump oh. out to people from oh. elsewhere. Uh, how do you pronounce your A's? And because it's it's like ah basketball, and yeah, so that's right. that's something I've tried to. Uh, it, it still hasn't. I, I don't know how you get rid of an accent per se. But it's something that I've tried to be more cognizant of. I, I find the two that uh, I enjoy from the show and in general are one is the days of the week. Uh, you know, should we record this on Monday, you <laughs> no? know, or Tuesday? Okay. Uh, and I think if anyone who, uh, you know, you, you listen to WIP for 10 minutes, you're going to hear that. And then the O, like, are you done your homework? You know, that, that's another one. Can you get me that over there is another one that uh, is very common in the show. So you asked about Classics for Shield. You know, I, I'm I, give me some advice here, Zach. I'm debating. Do I was Classics for Shield a nice bit that sort of ran its course? 
or is it something to continue here throughout the summer months? I have vacation coming up, so I really could knock out a lot of these. Uh, you know, if you're asking me just what my preference would be in terms of how I spend my time, I would uh, rather not spend my time. You know, I, I just, it was another exercise where I found, you know, movies are not big for me. I'm not a big movie guy. I don't like just hanging out with them for two hours. I'm probably going to be bored in 20 minutes. I mean, that was only reinforced here. I thought it was a nice bit. I thought it got some nice engagement. Uh, and now I don't know whether to continue. And if I do continue, do I, do I post the reviews, uh, you know, as kind of in my notes app? Do I do uh, videos there? And I think a book both of us read was Range. And yep. one thing in there that really like uh, struck a chord with me where I felt like, all right, this guy's speaking my language is he was talking about quitting. I don't know if you remember this chapter, but he said, you know, you're taught that, uh, you know, winners never quit and quitters never win. But he said, that's not the reason, you know, that's not tr necessarily true. He said, winners quit fast and often. We fail when we stick yep. with tasks. We don't have the guts to quit and you should know when to quit. And, I, you know, I feel like I've been a great quitter my entire <laughs> life. You know, like I know, all right, this isn't for me. I make a decision. I'm out of there. Whether it's like, uh, you know, it's something I'm being asked for, to do for work, a job, something else in my life. Like I feel like I quit pretty well. And uh, I felt like that was some really good advice there that you're not just stuck. Like, you know, you always thought, oh, persevere, stick through it. All right, sometimes you should do that. But sometimes, you know, that's not going to lead to anything. And you should just quit and do something else. So uh, what do you think? Should I stick with Classics for Shield or, or should uh, we say, all right, that was a kind of a fun thing we did in the offseason, but uh, no more? I would stick with it during the offseason. I okay. would perhaps expand it to television shows you might not have uh, watched so far. Uh, I know the the um, the impetus for it was movies, but yeah, I I think I agree with you sometimes that you know it's it's hard to sit down for like two hours during the summer on a movie. Uh, yeah. But if it's if it's NBA knocking playoffs, out a show, I mean, there's a lot yeah. happening. Exactly, and that's that's really so. I'm in a similar boat to you in, in that I have you know vacation time coming up. Now I'm a big NBA playoffs guy, and so. From now, you know, through these these next two rounds, and then the NBA draft later this this month, like I, I, I will have my nights occupied, my my free time watching NBA playoffs. But certainly, there's that period in July where I I enjoy baseball, I I watch baseball, but I'm I'm not watching every single baseball game. So uh, TV shows that that's when I really catch up on TV shows is is the month of July. Yeah, and the thing is with uh, TV shows, what you can do is, you know, let's say there's a uh, 9 p.m. tip off, like Sixers, I'm watching every minute, but let's say there's another game I want to watch. It's a 9 p.m., 9.30 p.m. tip off. You can like knock out a show with your wife during the first half, uh, you know, for an hour. And then second half, you're watching the second half of a game yep. you wanted to watch. It's much more, uh, much more conducive. We just started this show Hacks on uh, yeah, HBO I've heard Max. about it. Do you like it? Yeah, we watched a couple episodes. I was entertained by it. Like I, I was not looking at my phone. I wasn't wondering why I was spending my time uh, watching this show. So listeners, uh, let me know. Should I continue this going? Should I continue Classics for Shield, uh, or should we bag it and uh, and do something else? If the listeners say you got to keep it going, we gave you all this feedback. You started this spreadsheet. And you can't just quit now. Then I will continue it. I will knock out some movies here in the next month and review them. If the listeners say it was fun, but uh, you know we don't need to stick with that, then I will go that route um, as well here. Uh, one thing I did, one anecdote I did want to share here, Zach. I think we got, got about uh, five, ten minutes here before um, I got to be on be on dad duty. But uh, we had a little like uh, family get together in Maryland last weekend. My sisters are visiting from Portland, and so uh, we have some family some family friends who live in the Maryland uh, D.C. area, and so we all got together last Saturday at a park in Maryland. And so uh, it was funny because there was a gathering of the Indian women of Maryland right next to where we were gathered. You know, like we could <laughs> have been odds, the Indian. Right? Of all the yeah, we could, the land. <laughs> yeah, we could have been the Indian women of Maryland as well. But so it was funny that they were right next to us. But what happened was <clears throat> they're wrapping up their gathering. And so they had this like tent. It was a very hot day. And so uh, one of the uh, Indian women of Maryland comes over to our group and I happened to be maybe be the first person she saw 
And she said, can you help us uh, fold this tent up? And I think listeners of the show <laughs> would know that I have like no chance of being helpful really in that situation. And so I thought about it. And so I had two options there. One option would have been go over there, you know, pretend you're kind of trying to help, uh, jiggle some things around, tinker, you know, maybe slide something and uh, see what happens and then figure out another solution. But I said, you know what? I I'm 38 years old. I don't need to uh, put on this act for anybody. And so I, I bluntly said, uh, I cannot help you with that, but I will find somebody who can. And so uh, I actually looked for my uh, cousin's wife, who I knew would be able to help with this. She was in a conversation, but instead I found an another uh, couple people who were there. We all walked over. They were able to figure it out. I kind of just stood there. Normally in that situation, I'm asking, does anyone need a drink? Uh, anything like <laughs> that. But that wasn't really appropriate. But uh, I just stood there uh, at that point while they remedied that situation. Then, then there was another situation where, you know, some people were taking these um, uh, kayaks out onto the, uh, there was a body of water there. And, you know, a, a woman came over and said, uh, tell them to be careful. There's a snake right there. Biggest Ooh. snake I've ever seen. Uh, that that wasn't like you know one of those animal guys doing like a presentation with <laughs> yeah. a snake around his neck, like yeah. in the wild. And so this was another situation where it was like, uh, like I'm of no help here. I mean, I could tell them to be careful, but you guys are not. Uh, you don't know me well enough. You're strangers to know that like there's nothing I'm going to be able to do about that snake being there. So I just kind of gave the warning, but uh, that that was really the the only way I could be helpful in that spot. We should have led with the snake today. Yeah, uh, we should we should have uh, uh, let let with the. Uh, yeah, what so would you have we, done in that tent situation? I I'm very similar to you in that regard. <laughs> like okay. I, you know, I'm I'm uh, I I probably would have pitched a hand, but it wouldn't have yeah. it, it would have just been for show, right? Like um yeah, you know. But I'm I I'm trying to become more handy, as I've said on this podcast before. Uh, my father in law is very handy, and my wife's idea of like. A, a man her whole life has has been someone who's who's handy. So I I feel like I'm letting her down every time something breaks in our house. And uh, I'm I'm very good with technology, um, but I'm not good Big with like flex. the actual right. handy component. Yeah. So like I okay. I I can set a lot of stuff up technology wise. Set a um, remote up. You're my man. Yeah. Um, TV's not working, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm, I'm like that too. Let's yeah. Check I'm, the I'm, input. I'm the know, one who's yeah. going to my father-in-law's place to like put the the TV, you know, the smart TV together, that kind of thing, you know, log oh, on to everything. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not the one who's, who's like mounting the TV, if, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, fix uh, the Wi-Fi. You can help with that, exactly, right? Exactly. I know how to restart a modem as well as anybody. Uh, exactly. I would say so. I'm with you there. Yeah, you yeah. don't have to be good at everything. See, people have different strengths and weaknesses. Uh, you know, you want to give back to the economy. There are people out there who are good at this stuff. You know, you don't want to waste your money, but you know, if it's if it's worth your time, you go ahead and you pay uh, uh, somebody for to to help you out with that. Everybody wins in there that situation. Now, uh, Bo is at the beach, Zach. Um, you think he, no, he, he doesn't strike me as like a very hairy guy. You think he had to do like some <laughs> chest waxing or back waxing or anything before this beach physics. I did just have a friend recently, um, who was telling me that he got his, uh, I'm trying, he got his back, back waxed. Have you ever waxed. done any of that? I haven't had it waxed. No. Um, no. yeah, you know, I, I think but you've done something in, else. I think of the scene in like 40 year old virgin. Um, right. You know, where, that, where that he's... gift was sent on her friend thread. Yeah. When <laughs> okay. Mentioned. Yeah. Uh, no, not, not waxed. No. Okay. Um, right. that's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Hey, listen, it's a thing. Uh, you know, I, w I would say I'm probably in the middle range. I, I don't think I'm like having especially, uh, uh, hairy chest, or back, you know, it's not like there's nothing there. And, you know, some men, they take take care of it. I'm not opposed to looking into uh, some of those options. I don't know. Like like for the show, I would much rather uh, have an experience where I went and got my back and my chest waxed and then uh, talked about it on the podcast than watch more of some of these movies. I'll tell you that much. So <laughs> is, I don't know. Is, is, is there anything else would... about Bo that, that, that you wanted to speculate upon that we can get him to answer next week? Um, you know, I'm not... Uh, I, I don't know. I think we did a good job. I, I think okay. I did a nice job hosting. You know, I was a little concerned. You got me the rundown. I thought a little bit late. I thought that was Bo's influence there. That was my that, fault there. I sent yeah, that last okay. night. Yeah. That's I was okay, wrapping up a story and then I, I, I sent that over to you after that I when thought, I did show prep. I thought we made it work. You know, I, I think 
there's not going to be every listener's not going to say like the the pod was much better without Bo. Every listener's not going to say um, the pod needs Bo. And so I think we probably struck a nice uh, middle ground where he will feel somewhat needed. But oh, he's uh, definitely you know, needed. His already, uh, well, listen, you don't need to gas him up. Uh, But, you know, his ego will not get like a major uh, bump from this. But we did get a little, this is an experiment. You know, if Peter King calls Bo, uh, this is the time NFL hires are made, I would say, right? Around uh, this stretch here, it's like the slow period in the NFL calendar. But in terms of NFL media making moves, I would say like the next four to six weeks are when those meetings are being had, those calls are being placed. And so if Peter King were to call Bo, he was to take a job with Peter King, couldn't do the podcast anymore. This was a little sample of what birds with, with friends would sound like. To that point, I accepted the athletic job on June 11th, which oh, is tomorrow. Oh, I thought you were going to announce and like you were leaving or something. No, but uh, <laughs> th- that's not the importance of that date. The importance of that date is that's Bo's birthday, uh, that's June 11th. Right. So make sure uh, when you listen to this to uh, mention Bo on social media. Wish him a happy birthday. Uh, and one last thing, I, I know you need to run. I just want to run this by our listeners. Shilbo and I were hit up by McCall Collective Brewing in Lehigh wow. Valley. They said, what do you guys think of a midsummer meetup here in the Lehigh Valley? We'll host and donate 20% of the total day sales to charity of your choice. We have seating for 130 plus, 15 beers on draft and a full kitchen. We appreciate you reaching out. Uh, as we've said on this pod, we're definitely interested in a live pod at some point. Um, this could be a great opportunity. I wanted to call out to our listeners, uh, will you attend? Are you interested in attending? Geographically, how far are you willing to go? Is Lehigh Valley something? Allentown, I believe, is, yes. is the precise um, location. Are, are you thinking more the, the center city area, the Philly suburbs, South Jersey? So do you want to give a hashtag to our uh, listeners that they can chime mm. in on where they can, if A, if they would attend, and B, how far are they willing to drive for it? I like that. And we could, of course, you know, if there's a big interest, we could do a multiple, of yep, course. Exactly. But um, yeah, how about BWF Meetup and uh, just let us know. Uh, you know, where you would be willing to go. Would you attend all of them? Do you have a preferred location? And we'll see how many we get uh, for the different uh, areas. But we certainly appreciate that uh, that offer from uh, McCall, McCall Brewing, right? Absolutely. McCall Collective Brewing. We appreciate and, that. And, and they dropped off some beer uh, at my house early in the pandemic. And, uh, you know, I thought it was delicious, and now I don't have like the greatest uh, beer palate. Um, you know, some of those fancier IPAs, I, I don't want to have anything to do with. But their signature beer, they dropped off a case at my doorstep early in the pandemic. So great people there, and uh, really, it was a it was a fantastic. Uh, Fantastic beer there. And yes, happy birthday to Bo. Zach, well, last thing for me is that I wasn't sure if Bo's, uh, you know, I have a friend, uh, a listener, Sinas, whose birthday is today, June 10th. And I knew Bo's birthday was either the day before or the day after Sinas' birthday. And so yesterday I said, Bo, this could be wrong. But as the kids say, I'm shooting my shot. Uh, happy birthday. And he said, you're two days early. And so, uh, you know, it's hard to keep track. Now I have it in my calendar. I'll know for next year. But yes, it is uh, tomorrow. So happy birthday to Bo. Happy birthday to Bo. And as a birthday present to him, he did not have to host this pod. But he will be back next week. I, I believe we will be back. We will give you an update on uh, the Birds with Friends meetup. Maybe we will do a big training camp preview. A live episode uh, but we do have some fun episodes planned for the summer so tune back next week and the weeks thereafter uh, until then that's Shil Kapadia Marissa Morris is in charge as always and I'm Zach Berman thank you for listening